There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. ¿Qué tal amigos? Mi nombre es Roman Rojas y Tremenda Vaina es el podcast donde te contamos cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro historias solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? En el último episodio de Tremenda Vaina te contamos de un muchacho en China que vendió una parte de su cuerpo para comprarse un iPad. ¿Será verdad? ¿Será mentira? Suscríbete en iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify o tu plataforma favorita. También nos puedes seguir en Twitter, Instagram o Facebook. El mundo enfrenta una pandemia. Encuentre respuestas y acceda a información veraz y confirmada en el especial de NTN24 sobre coronavirus COVID-19. Escuche los contenidos de NTN24 en su plataforma de podcast favorita. All right, you guys, what's been the best or worst meal you've had during quarantine? I'll just speak for myself here because we've been eating. We stocked up. We've been cooking every day. Carne molida, chicken thighs, turkey bacon. But we've been cooking every day. So I'm kind of feeling like fucking Alice Cramden from the Honeymooners, you know, like housewife all day, every day. How about you, Mike? Well, I want to continue enjoying having the fine dining even though I'm not able to leave. So I think the best has been the surf and turf. We uh, we bought some food and we made some surf and turf and we hired a neighbor to be the waiter for the day. Jamie? I mean, I haven't really had bad meals. I've had mostly good meals. I think the, the thing I hate the most is the washing of the dishes. Because you get start experimenting so much cooking and then it's like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, look at all these dishes you got to wash. It's going to take like three hours and shit. So... I'm not a fan of that, but I'm a fan of the food. Elaine, what is your uh, least for? I have to say, I have food? not had a bad meal. I have been subscribing to um, HelloFresh and Blue Apron Ooh. for the last, I would say, two years now, for as long as I can remember. And I love the meals. And then when the quarantine happened, I just doubled up on all the meals. And instead of doing just one of them a week, I actually do both of them a week. So I have 10 meals coming my way every single week and I make them and they're all delicious. And at the end of the day, after 30 minutes of cooking, I feel like a real hero. Cause you know, I work all day long and then at the end of the day to make a meal that feels gourmet, it's better than a restaurant. So I haven't even, I don't even like going to restaurants anymore. It has so not So this episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. And Hello Fresh. <laughs> and Hello Fresh. Wow. Mm. You still got to bring it. The show must go on. Okay? Oh.
<laughs> Yo, what's good, everybody? How's it going out there in Zoom? We're in Zoom land right now. Shout out to Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. And boom, boom, boom. This is the Latinos Out Loud podcast. This is your friend to the end, Rachel La Loca. I am the comforting voice that you're listening to right now by the name of Juan Bago. Is it comforting? There was a survey done and they said 62% say that it is comforting. You are. You realize on your Zoom it says Juan Culo, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a while since I left the apartment, you know? Um, this affects your ears, it's Jay Ferns. <laughs> <laughs> And then we have the pleasure of having a special guest, even though we're doing this remote edition of the Latinos Out Loud podcast. We have a very dear friend to the room. She's been on the show before. She's a director, producer, writer, and casting director. Please put your hands together for Elaine Del Valle. Thanks for having me. By the way, I want to put on the record because... um, and then you were on the Instagram live with me and Jerry and you yes. made a, and you you had a term that I think you need to trademark which was called Zumba. You said Zumba. they were going to be part of a Zumba. Yes. So that's yours. So yes. I'm going to put that on the podcast officially so you can keep that and that's yours. Okay, thank you. I will copyright that, but I think it's taken. So how you been? Oh gosh, I've been really good and busy and feeling great um actually because you know, for most people, going out every day is like a regular thing. But for somebody who works on a computer all day, for the most part, or writes, this is like Tuesday. So it's really good. And I'm not as interrupted as I normally am. So I can really attack my passion projects in a, in a, in a whole other way. And um, I'm an overachiever. So I, wrote, I made a list of like my to-do quarantine list. Mm. about 21 i'm about halfway through already (laughs) so um i feel good i feel good i feel hoping that this is going to go away really soon i get you know tight at the end of the night my my chest gets tight and i start feeling like oh my goodness i hope everybody's going to be okay but um other than that i just look on the bright side all day and i just try to get busy with my work speaking of your work my god First of all, we have to give you a tremendous shout out for the play turning into a book. And by that play, I'm talking about Brownsville Bread, Dreaming Out Loud. Congratulations, Elaine. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. I might need a digital version. I might need a digital copy. Oh, no, it is on ebook. It's on ebook. And I actually just narrated it for Audible. So I it in the voice that I performed it in the play. So the book is different from the play. It really supports the feature film that I'm going to be um, hopefully directing soon or one day. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that was part of the reason for me writing the book was, well, I just love the story and I really wanted to share it with young readers, especially. It's a young adult fiction novel. Uh, actually, it's a young adult memoir, but I changed names and things like that to keep it, you know, keep it kosher, keep it good. So yeah, I'm really proud of it. I love it. I, I self-published it myself and I just love everything about the book. I'm, I'm very proud of it. I didn't expect to be as proud of it as I am, but it really does make a difference in, in my life. And I actually... Um, yesterday, I just uploaded the hardcover version for schools and libraries because mm-hmm. I had teachers reach out to me and say that they want to include it in their classroom reading 
um, a teacher in the Bronx. And so I'm going to have three classrooms in the Bronx reading Brownsville Bread. And I'm going to come in and talk to them and talk about, you know, what it takes to write your own story and that our voices count, you know, regardless of where we're from and what our economic reality is, our voices matter. So Elaine, what is like the target age demo for this title? Because it's considered young adult. What would you say is that sweet spot for the book? Well, I have to say that I am a big fan of young adults. So as an adult, I actually love reading young adult stuff better than anything else. So I'm going to say, you know, till whatever age. But I would say I would like my youngest reader to be like 12. Because, you know, there's some real deep stuff in there. And, and the girl starts the story, the girl, me, uh, starts the story when she's 11. So I think that that is real, but there's a, there's a difference between an 11-year-old in Brownsville, Brooklyn, than an 11-year-old in, you know, I don't know where that's led, led a very sheltered life. I don't, I don't even know that there is a sheltered life anymore, but, um, but there is a big difference in what this, what this girl goes through. I asked that question because just as a woman and remembering how much I read when I was in that age uh, bracket, like 12 through the end of high school, because at college, I think my reading shifted a little bit, but at the college level, but I read those Judy Bloom books and, you know, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Those kinds of books were pivotal for my life as an adolescent, as a preteen, becoming a teenager. So I feel like what where you're going is so needed because now it's through the lens of a Latina. And if I would have had that maybe something else would have been different back in my in my day but i'm really proud of you as a friend because you're entering into a sphere into a zone that's almost a necessity because these little brown girls need to read this kind of stuff and and know that someone else is out there like them yes that's what i say about it you know when when i think about the book it's like if i had it when i was a kid i would have thought so differently about the opportunities that were out there for me it took me a while to understand that there were opportunities out there for me. But, um, but this, this book is really, in, and the play for that matter, and my life. Um, I just, it's all about cognitive reframing and like taking a negative and just finding the positive in it. And, and that's what the book is about for, for me. And I think for everyone that reads it, they're like, oh, it just made me feel so good and so hopeful and, and great, which it's so dark in terms of the, the, the stuff that it covers, but to know that the kid like made it through and uh, not only made it through, but was happy throughout. Elaine, my question to you is since you've written for different mediums, what was the process for you into making this a book from a one woman show? Oh, wow. So um, actually back in 2009, uh, when I was performing it as a one woman show, I was approached by a packager. A packager is someone who puts together what she thinks is going to be a book and then gives it to like a publisher. And um, so this packager had done tons of books and loved the play. She sat in my audience, saw the play. She was like, I want to make this into a young adult fiction novel. We need this voice. I love this. I love this. So um, it's like more than 10 years in the making that she came to me and said that, sat me down and then told me what it's like to actually be able to write the book. And normally what happens is 
they hear your story, they see your play, and then they hire a ghost writer. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a writer. And she's like, no, but you, you know, prose is different. And I said, I'll tell you what, um, why don't you read the first 10,000 words that I started a while back and I just like let it go. But I, I thought it was going to be a book on tape when I first started. That's how I started it out. She read it and then she said, you are the writer. You're right. So we, um, we did what the what the publishing world wants you to do is develop sample chapters. So I took every um, scene in my play and I made it into a chapter. And then she like looked at it and said a little more information here. Like, I don't like this chapter. Let's go for another chapter. And, uh, but I basically wrote it and, and I loved the process of writing. She also gave me a bunch of YA novels to read so that I can really get into the flow of young adults. And so that didn't work out because at that time in 2009, the people who were representing it, they, no one could love it more than them. And then the people who they brought it to, no one could love it more than them. They saw the play, they loved the chapters, they loved it, they loved it. And then they brought it to their higher ups, the people who make the decisions on what's going to get published. And they couldn't sell it because they said that it was too dark. Mm. And then they said that there was a famous Latina who had just lined the bookshelves at Target on a babysitter series and it didn't sell. So they weren't willing to take another chance. So with that, I just like, I was like, you know what? All right. I tried. I did my best. I still gained from the experience and it really took me away from the path that I was really trying to, to go on, which was filmmaking. So I said, let me just set my, my, my sights back to where I wanted in the first place is filmmaking. And I did that. And then years later, I was at the official Latino film festival back in September, a big one by Danny Hastings. It's held in um, Palm Desert beautiful. I went there, my film Me 3.769 was there, and they had these panels. Now you guys know when you go to panels, you learn some great stuff because the speakers there are fantastic and they have great experience. And there was a speaker there named Carlito Machete. He's a writer. He writes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Know him? Yeah, he's great. Mm -hmm. Wife Leah Ben Ben, I'm gonna ruin her name, Beneveras or Benevera, something like that. They're both writers. And we asked them, the audience was asking questions, and we asked them, what is the number one thing that you need to sell a pilot to a network? And he said, IP, intellectual mm. property. And with that, he gave an example. He said, like, I had this alien show. Now there's no alien, you know, real thing that I could say like, oh, I, I was in an alien spaceship or anything like that. But so what he did was he actually self-published a graphic novel that told the story. And when he pitched it, they said, well, where does this idea come from? Which is always a question, right? And he said, a graphic novel that I published, it's called blah, blah, blah. And that was it. So with that, I took that advice, that was in September, in late September, and I was like, no me joda. Like, I already have this thing, I already wrote this thing, and I bet I could self-publish now, you know? Because back then, I actually wanted to self-publish as well, but the, the technology was not available the way that it is now. So um, I looked it up, what it was, to, to make it happen, and it is so easy now. I mean, it's, it's still hard. 
but it is within everyone's reach to be able to learn every aspect of self-publishing. Of course, I hired an editor after I had my book the way that I wanted it because I didn't want to have like rinky-dink mistakes, you know, and, and this is something that you learn um, on the platforms that, that, you know, you need to hire an editor. Otherwise, it'll be caught up in, you know, porqueria. So you want to be taken seriously. So I did that. I hired an editor and she didn't make many changes at all. But like one thing, little tiny thing, you know, when I went to school back, back in the 1800s, <laughs> uh, after, you, after you put a period, how many spaces? Two, right? Two. Well, publishing world, eh, no, it's just one. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a big thing that would have made people who read my book notice the difference between like a professional uh, book and one that was not as as well thought. So those are some of the things that I did. But I even like the cover. I took this photo of this little girl and I, I put her in front of a, a like an abandoned lot that was all graffitied. And I took it with my phone and I created the cover myself on Canva. That's dope. And and I'm so proud of it. And then I put all of the um, all the quotes from like the New York Times, the New York Post, the Journal News. And now in my publication for hard copy, um, this book was just actually chosen as a quarter finalist in Publishers Weekly Book Life Prize. Nice. Right? Yeah. So it is. Right. That's a major coup. It was one of only <laughs> fourteen memoirs and forty-eight books to make it there. And um, and now with the hardcover, I actually got to change some of the um, some of the quotes, and I put like the publisher's weekly quote which is really, you know, very valuable to writers. So it's, it's very different to write a play than it is to write a book, but um, you definitely have to take, if you're going to put anything out there with your name on it, you want to make sure that it's as great as it can be because it's going to represent you forever. When you come out with the platinum version, LOL is willing to give you a quote if you want. <laughs> Where's the Latinos Out Loud podcast? We'll come up with something for you. <laughs> Being a girl from Brooklyn, I totally related to this character. <laughs> it went from it just went from a pl- uh, a play to a book. The next the the next step, right, would would be a potential movie. So yeah. when you're when you're writing the book, do you have and even maybe because of your experience as a casting director, do you have like certain actors playing the roles in your head? Mm. So it's um. No, because they're based on real people. Oh, so, you're so for real me, people. the real people are playing that. Ah. And it's who I'm going to get to best represent the real person. Yeah. So um, because it's a true experience, that is what I'm thinking of all the time. But even like when I wrote the book, you're right to say that the intention is a film. But the film, so I study um, screenwriting through the Sundance Lab. I was one of um, nine directors of um, the Sundance Lab in Miami that they chose. And I've been studying with them ever since. And thank you very much. And so I've been writing, rewriting the story for the feature, understanding what a feature needs that the play did not have. While the play was very successful, you know, the, the, the play was the play. The book is the book, but the feature needs something more. And so now having that full beat sheet when I was writing the book, even though it's mostly the play story, um, I, I added more about certain characters because they are going to be 
very relevant in the film. And, and it's just really important to have those characters where they aren't at much spoken of in the play. And even in the book, we're just like, we touch upon them, but, um, but it's a very, the relationships are very important and, and better explored in the film to make it more exciting. Elena, I just think that it's just like the way life is, right? Because if the, let's say you do get a movie deal 10 years ago, now with your experience and creativity and your writing and your vision, you're able to really project that project, that one woman show at its best when it's a film because of the experience you've gained in all these years. So that's kind of dope what you've gone through then. Well, that's actually why I started um, making short films as, as a director and writer and producer, because I know that I needed to hone that craft. And now I just made my third short film as a director, like short narrative film. It's my longest one. It's 21 minutes. I love it. And I feel like now that is proof that I can achieve a... Uh, a feature film but you know that said it's interesting you said like if somebody finances you and gives you the money as an indie producer I no longer think like that I don't th I'm not waiting for anyone ever in my life to say yes to me because I have to be the person saying yes to me that's the best advice that I can give to anybody whether you want to write a book do a play be an actor it was the frustration of being an actor waiting for people to say you got the part that led me to writing. It was the frustration of casting directors not coming to see my play that led me to know that I had to write for web series and short films so people could see me. And it was, you know, every time I just evolve, evolve, evolve. So now I do feel like I am ready to even independently produce the feature. But I don't move forward with any production whatsoever until the script is so tight that I'm in love with it. That like, I'm like, ugh, I'm not wasting one word, not one scene. Of course, things still end up in the, in, on the cutting room floor, but not because I didn't like work that to death. Because time is money on set, boy. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about one of the hats that you wear as a casting director. Yes. Can you tell me what's going on right now in the industry and your experience and what you're seeing right now? As far so as actually, director? you know, people would think I'm at a complete standstill, right? Like oh, everything has halted, <laughs> but that's not true. Right before, even like last week, I cast a voiceover for something. Um, the week before that, I cast two commercials and they, they shot. Not only did they shoot on the Monday that they expected, but they also shot on the Tuesday because they just wanted to shoot something else. So they were like, hey, we need more people for Tuesday. I was like, what? You're still shooting on Tuesday? Mm. But they did it, and they did it safely and, and, and in a smart way. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing right now is, you know, I've been a casting director since 2009. So it's been over a decade. And I have done some... Um, some series pilots and some series for Comedy Central. I did Alternatino. I just mm -hmm. did something else for Comedy Central. But this year, it's been like over a year in the making, and I finally got solidified as the um, head of casting for a brand new pipeline animated series that is absolutely a series with many, many episodes. And um, I was just casting the pilot for that so all of the series regulars and rachel you're you're right up there i i know i had i had a bunch uh, of you guys you're, you're definitely my favorites here um 
You guys Look are really blushing. Stop it, Elaine. No, I'm 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 blushing. Stop. So anytime that I reach people to say, hey, will you do this? It's because like, I'm not trying to waste your time. Yeah. I'm trying to like, say like, I think you're really good for it. So, um, so now we're at the point where casting for that has actually come to a little bit of a stall because they, they really are committed to having live callbacks. So I have done my work for them right now and, um, and they have all of that. And the director has chosen her favorites and now the production team has to give me their favorites. And then when this is all over, they are so ready to like fly in and meet everybody because the series regulars are going to be a part of the show for as long as the show lasts. That's and dope. I'm so happy to say that the show stars a Puerto Rican family from the Bronx. Nice. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say much no. anything else except that it's Pipeline Animated Studios and that it stars a Puerto Rican family from the Bronx. And I wish I could tell you more because I promise you, my heart is glowing from the pride of all of the people involved and the fact that I have a say in gathering my people to audition for this and, and this is going to be going on for a while like i want to say, um I'm, i don't know that i'm allowed to say how many episodes but many 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 and i'm the casting director so That's it's so like dope. it's definitely a dream job but also because of the people involved in making it so Yo, Elaine, when I get an email from you or if my manager sends me something on your behalf, like there's a couple of sentiments that I feel. One of them is I have this like responsibility that I have to send you a good tape because you put these videos out there for actors and VO, like professionals. Your videos are incredible because they're informative and educational. And honestly, not a lot of casting directors give a fuck. Some of them don't give a fuck. And it is so obvious that you give a fuck. It, I mean, you give two fucks, quite honestly. Mm. Um, you give like 10, <laughs> I don't even know. You give like infinity fucks, but like you put out these videos that are very helpful. And the other sentiment I feel on the receiving end of something is like, wow, I've been following your career since, I mean, I saw Brownsville Bread I, I, at a theater in Manhattan a long time ago, been following your ass for a long time. I call you a dear friend, we all do. And I just feel so proud. I'm like, this woman is really just in, in, in todo. And so eloquently and gracefully, and you're an inspiration to others. And it just really is amazing to watch you flourish into all these different realms that you're like, yeah, she could do that too. Wow. Well, we all can. Thank you very much for that. But we all can, because if I can do it, anybody can do it. I didn't go to college. I was a teenage mom. Uh, my father died of, of AIDS. He was a heroin addict. We were on welfare. We can all do it. It's just, you know, we have to allow ourselves to believe that we can and then work diligently. You know, just keep on going because, you know, you look back and then you say, wow, look how far I've come. But, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't like even now, 
regardless of where we are, and I know this probably stands for all of you because I also look up to you guys and see your success and having like the, the most watched podcast on, on Sirius. Come on now. You were on that show on, on television. Like, and um, and I, I know I've told you this before that I've actually written something that includes you guys. Nice. And I can't. I can't tell you what it is yet, but I promise you, because I am inspired by people around me that just, you guys have a great work ethic. You put it out there, you keep on going. And after a while of doing that, it's very hard for people to ignore you. And that's what it's about. Just keep on keeping on and, and don't wait, wait for anyone else. You just do it yourself and, doesn't matter what anybody else wants or thinks. Just keep doing it. So thank you for that. I've, I feel blessed that you think that of me because I share the sentiment for you guys. So do you have any advice right now as an artist that is dealing right now with just being inside and trying to be creative? Like, is there anything that you can tell them and trying to keep them focused and being creative? The advice is actually to make a list of all of the things that you've been wanting to accomplish but haven't had the time to, and use this time to do that. Like, if I show you my list right now, one thing on the list is publishing the hardcover. I finished that today. Hi. Okay? Another thing on the list is publishing Brownsville Bread, the stage play, and then putting that on Audible. So you'll be able to not just hear me narrate the book, but also hear me narrate the play. So here are things on my list that are going to take me a while, but these are things that during this time, if I don't use this time to do it, what am I going to do it? So stop feeling sorry for yourself and say, wow, I just got a moment in time to do everything that I've wanted to creatively. This should not be an issue for creatives. You should be, you should be at the height of creativity right now because the desire should be so strong and you have no interruptions, nothing stopping you right now. Just go for it, man. Make a list and and check it twice. And every time I check off something on my list, I'm like, damn, I did that. Yes. Okay, next thing. And you know, on my list is not just the publication of of um, of the novel, but also to finish writing the screenplay. So... That is something that I have been stalling on and I have a great beat sheet now and I know I can write that really well right now. But I stall because in our heads, in our hearts, there's something holding us back always. And usually it's an emotion that, that it will trigger. You have to get out of that space and get into the space of using that which is what I did during the play, during the book. I narrated this book. I was crying. I had to pause to stop because at some points I was so feeling it. And I expect to do that again with the play. Like I'm looking forward to that. And I finished a, um, a revision on a pilot that everybody, my manager was like, get me the revision on that pilot. Get me the revision on the pilot. And I was always so interrupted all the time and I needed that uninterrupted time to work on it. And now I'm very happy to say that I can't talk about mm. what's going on yeah, with yeah. it 
but I promise you it will be life-changing if it does occur. It's all good, you know, I'm, I'm really, use these moments, people. We don't get them often, use them. That's my advice. It's great advice. Elaine, thank you so much. Um, before we close, I just have to shout you out on the amazing job you did on Dora the Explorer because that episode or where, you, where the teacher pops up, those episodes are on repeat. My children cannot stop singing the Como Te Llamas song. Thank you very much for that. Um, but on that note, please, one time for Elaine Del Valle. Thank you. I have to say something about that. The people from Dora... My years working on Dora is the reason why I got the job on the new series. So remember, people, everything you're doing today, that was a long time ago. Everything you're doing today affects your future. So treat it right. Be good. Be kind and work your ass off. Yeah. Thank you so much, Elaine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Segment brought to you by Fuchila Fresheners. That's F U C H I L A Fresheners.com. Make sure to go to the website and use code LOL20 for 20% off of your purchase. They got the most amazing air fresheners, stickers, t shirts, and more. And they celebrate Latino culture. So go to F U C H I L A Fresheners.com. Okay, Elaine Del Valle, que lo que? Que lo que, man? Follow me on Instagram at Elaine Del Valle Director. And of course, on Facebook, on Del Valle Productions and Casting, and Twitter also. Um, actually, it's Brownsville Bread on Twitter. I've had that the longest. So, Brownsville Bread, and uh, yeah, people buy my novel, $9.99 on Amazon, or you can listen to it on Audible, or you can um, download it on Kindle. So that, that's okay. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much, Elaine Del Valle. Make sure you tune in to our next episode. On that note, we out. Oye, mijo, ¿qué show es ese que están escuchando? Tremenda vaina. Hola amigos y bienvenidos a Tremenda Vaina, el show donde escuchas cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro, solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? Nos puedes encontrar en tu plataforma favorita. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Suscríbete hoy. Y esto es Tremenda Vaina. Tremenda Vaina. 
There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota. Toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more.